leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win! Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan! It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me this week, I've got a very special guest. He's appeared many times on the Bench Mob podcasts. He's a contributor for the site Hoop Ball, that's Hoop Dash Ball, and they uh, they focus on fantasy basketball. And uh, on that site, he also is a regular contributor on the Box Score Breakdown podcast. His name's Corbin Ford. Corbin, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me, man. I'm excited. Now, uh, Corbin, this is your second appearance on the pod, and for this episode, we're going to discuss a team that I, I believe you're intimately familiar with, and that is the the Houston Rockets, and the Rockets sitting right now at 24-11 and 11 overall, uh, which puts them third in the Western Conference. They uh, are third in offensive efficiency and 16th in defensive efficiency. Their last game, they uh, they beat the Philadelphia 76ers 118-108, and, and that was actually last Friday, so they've had a, a, a big break in their schedule. But Corbin, uh, you know, just looking over those... Uh, those statistics and their and their record is this kind of matching your preseason expectations for this team? You know, it really kind of is. Um, I realized I think we all did that the story of the Rockets season would be Westbrook and Harden, how those two would coexist, and and what would really um, set the tone for them as far as meshing together talent wise. And yeah, this is kind of what I expected. The defense is kind of I'm surprised. You know, it's been pretty stout uh, considering. Um, you know, adding in a new piece such as Westbrook, who doesn't really fit in the identity defensively uh, as the Rockets had, although he's not as bad as, you know, as as mentioned. But also, it's, it's really just getting that, I think the story is as good as they've been playing decently and having Aaron, Eric Gordon back, who started the season slowly, and, you know, he was out over the past two months, really, um, just getting back is really just 
I think the Rockets finding that continuity, finding that consistency, um, especially off the bench. But I don't want to get ahead of myself here. But yeah, for all in all, I think you know, considering the massive seismic change of subbing out Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, the Rockets um, uh, should be should be pretty pleased with where they're at right now. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk plenty about Westbrook in a little bit, but I think the the key reason why the Rockets are uh, are doing so well in large part comes down to the monster play of James Harden. I'm just going to throw out some some stats that uh, might uh, if any of you haven't looked at his uh, basketball reference page recently might blow some of you away, but uh, right now he's got a 40.6% usage rate, 64.5% true shooting. Over 38 points per game, 39% from three on 13 and a half attempts a game. He's shooting 64% at the rim. He's got a 37.1% assist rate, and uh, he's attempting 12.3 free throws a game. And it seems like we've had this same conversation year after year for the last few years about Harden is, you know, is this kind of the peak? And he just always ups it up another level. Yeah, it's kind of amazing how efficient um, he he's, can be, how crazy the scoring has been. And you're right, it's to the point that we uh, just look at, like, oh, just another game, casual 44 against 76 on 24 shooting possessions, you know, efficient 35 points against Nuggets on 10 to 17 shooting. I mean, it, it, it's stuff like that that is it, it's crazy. Um, and you're right, it, I think it's hard to contextualize it in an age where, you know, he lives the line, definitely the way he gets his shots. Um, the 30-footers and, and, and triple-doubles that he can kind of collect. and I mean, after watching, I think it's just, um, we take it for granted. I don't think that's, you know, outrageous uh, to say. But you're right. I don't know how somebody, he just, you know, people say a walking bucket, but that is literally James Harden. It is so easy how he gets his points. And yes, you may know it's going to be the same step-back three off in isolation with, the, like, five or six machine gun dribbles. It may be the same type of four race to the basket where you know you can't help but reach in and try to get the ball, but you're going to get a foul or get close to him embellishing one into you. You know, But even then, there's been several games this season where, fine, he won't get to the free throw line 25 times. He'll still drop 35, 40 points, and he'll just go 9 of 17 from 3. Then his shooting becomes much more efficient. And it's, it's really a marvel to see. Like you said, he's a scoring machine that, I think we are taking for granted just how easily he gets the points. You just said how much he's averaging. I already knew that, and that still sounds insane to hear. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and you mentioned his uh, his 40-plus point triple-double against the Sixers. And, you know, uh, the, the Sixers are, are a really strong defensive team with really good defensive talent. Josh Richardson, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. And, and Harden just makes him look silly because... Defenders are so terrified of that step back three, and he's hitting, you know, a good enough percentage of those that that is something the defenders have to respect, and so they crowd him, and he gets more blowbys against good defenders than than anyone that I see in the league. Yeah, it's crazy just how he's able to set that up, and you're right. Like it's, I don't know. It, I, it's, it has to be a nightmare guarding him, just because there's so many things he can do, and that step back is so automatic. And you're right. It's really so much a timing rhythm thing, but Harden has such deceptive little moves in his dribbling, in his step to the basket, that can throw a defender off. And that's all he needs to rise up for a shot or get that um, layup off contest. And 
you're right. The blowbacks. It, it, it's it's really a sight to see. I, I can't even wax so much poetic goodness about it. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and and that dribbling, that ball handling. You know, if if. Uh... If you don't know any better, it would look like it's showboating. But all of those, you know, between the leg dribbles, there's a purpose to them. It's it's yeah. an attempt to lull the defender to sleep. You know, he can he can burst off the left hand or the right hand when he's going when he's going back and forth. So the de- it just keeps the the defender off balance. He's perfected. You know, I think last season he really perfected that floater. If the big doesn't come out and and stop the lob. So he really has all of the answers for whatever the defense throws at him. It has been absolutely marvelous to watch. And and really, you know, the teams have resorted to just straight double-teaming him as soon as he steps over half court. And and that's another thing that, that I just don't think I've ever seen before. No, I agree with you. It's been so weird. Miami, you know, had, they played straight up, but the Clippers definitely do a weird one. You've seen teams like the Bucks already play defensive extreme by forcing him and sitting on that right hand for him to go left, or not left, um, the opposite way, to kind of funnel him into the defense with the rim protector. So you've already seen defense sort of warp to try to, you know, mitigate Harden's impact on the floor, but you're right. This type of defense now, you've had the double teams across half court. You've had the surprise doubles off the catch. You've had the, the seemingly random ones where he gets the ball, fine, we'll play single coverage, gets the ball, you know, at the top of the key, okay, now we send the double. Now we kind of shade over to the left, you know. So you've seen these different weird defenses, and it has been something that you're right. I mean, even watching older basketball games, I'm sure both students that game on no gear that you follow the NBA religiously, you've seen defensive coverage, you've seen offensive forces, but this type of defensive intensity and defensive attention they're giving him um, and the different looks is, is I don't want to say unheard of because I had to look really, really deep into that, but I haven't remembered anything like it for certain. Yeah, it is uh, it is shocking. Yeah, I think the Denver Nuggets just uh, doubled him for an entire game, and, and uh, the Rockets didn't do that well because it just was kind of unexpected, but I think they've started to, to get used to it a little bit more and, and know how to attack it, but uh, yeah, Harden has been absolutely sensational. So, so let's talk a little bit about uh, you know the the star that they brought in to to pair with Harden, and that of course is Russell Westbrook. And uh, I'm pretty sure you're a a bigger fan of Westbrook throughout his career than I have been. Uh, but uh, it's um, it's you know just looking at some of the lineup data, it, it's not super supportive that Westbrook is is making a big contribution. Uh, the, the lineups with Harden and Westbrook out on the floor have a positive 3.5 net rating. Lineups with Harden out there and no Westbrook have a positive 10.3 net rating. And then lineups with Westbrook without Harden, they're at negative 5.6. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's not super great. <laughs> I definitely, I was not sure of the raw data on those, but, um, yeah, that, that's that's not super pleasant. I will say, though, that one thing I, I think that it is probably positive just for having Harden there, it does seem like, I mean, not Harden, Westbrook there, is that the pace does seem to be faster. I mean, I think there's something to be said just for them to have a different look offside of, outside of Harden with the low you to sweet, sleep, methodical kind of play. You know, so you have it where, you know, it is a little bit different, and Harden, I'm trying, I mean, I have the numbers. I was just pulling them up again. But Harden, um, his points in transition have jumped up since Westbrook's been on the team just in general. So 
positive. But yeah, I mean, the numbers that that's kind of shocking to see. I definitely knew it was a struggle. Um, didn't know it was to a certain extent like that though. Yeah, that that was the one thing. the The one positive note I did have on Westbrook was the transition play, as you stated. He does. Uh, you know, he does get the team running. You know, Clint Capella is, is good at running the floor, and, and both Westbrook and Harden will find him just beating the other center down the floor um, before the defense can get set. You know, and yeah, Westbrook just pushing the basketball and finding shooters, and, and James Harden is a guy that doesn't get a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities, but he's he's gotten a few more of those this season. Uh, but But my biggest concern, you know, with that is that in the playoffs, games start to slow down and and that transition play isn't quite as valuable as it is during the regular season and that is something they're gonna have to definitely adjust to i agree i think the good news about this that's that's in light that's not enlightening but hopeful is that you know with russell on the okc thunder it was definitely just that a battering ram and then the class where it didn't work it didn't work and they ran to a wall harden that's you know a lot more success but he's had struggles as well with his solid play so now yeah, you may not have the exact same success. You're right. That type of play definitely does kind of go away as the four strengths and defensive press, defenses press up, and that type of running gun offense is more or less mitigated. But now you have a change of pace between the two that really would be from the start of the game is one thing. Westbrook and, and, and going to the bench early is another. Then bringing in the bench and Westbrook is another. Having Eric Gordon able to swing between playing between Harden and playing between Westbrook. It's, it's different styles of play. So I don't think you need to have Westbrook play 400 miles per hour 24-7 for it to be effective, um, knowing that it wasn't in the past in OKC at least playoff time. But I think it'll work enough in spurts that it gives a change of pace and gives that little bit of unpredictability that you, that's nice to have in the playoffs if it's effective. And, you know, Westbrook's not finishing at the rim like he used to. Um, athleticism is, is still very much there. Um, he's just not as explosive. I'm not, that's a lie. He's not as explosive when it comes to the finishing, the dunking that we're used to, but he still can get downhill quickly. And I think that that is something to be said, especially when you're playing with someone like Harden, who teams can plan for pretty easily as far as putting all the defense towards him, especially now with that extra double team. And I think now you have to at least have to think about, okay, if I go on Harden, I can give the ball to Westbrook on a quick rotation, and he's getting to the rim. And it's just something, you know, maybe a, a simple, a few simple adjustments, but it's something that they have to take mind for now. Yeah, I think that's been the biggest improvement in, in handling those hardened double teams is Westbrook, you know, will catch the ball outside the three-point line wide open because teams are giving that to him. Instead of taking that, he's attacking the hoop and either getting to the rim or throwing that lob to Capella, who's in the dunker spot. So that has been something that uh, that, that he's gotten a little bit better at. And and the reason teams are leaving him open behind uh, behind the arc is because the 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 I've got another stat for you and and this was actually a tweet by Kurt Goldsberry uh, and the, the tweet was least efficient jump shooters this season and Westbrook is dead last with a 36.4 effective field goal percentage this year on jump shots. Yeah, his shot has been just ridiculous. I was looking at the stats per game, just comparing um, last year this year, and you know raw numbers. 22 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists last season, 24 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists this season. He was shooting 42% from the field, 42.8 to be exact um, last year, 42.6 this year. But the three-point percentage, you're right. He went from 29% last year to 23.5% currently. And that three ball was already not the strongest part of his game, and I am putting that very lightly. I understand that. But it has now turned just a glaring weakness that 
there is no way you can look over. Um, and that's crazy. I mean, literally every shot he takes down, I, I'm automatically assuming he's going to miss. And I couldn't tell you, jump shot wise, I have like a uh, Sean Marion uh, Lonzo Ball hybrid, so by no means am I the jump shot doctor. Mine works though. But anyway, point being, um, with all that being said, it's still, it's, it's shocking that his shot has regressed to such a way. You know what I mean? Like you said, that number, I'm not surprised. He's not look good shooting the ball. Every time he wants to shoot the mid-range shot, it's not going. And even the mid-range shots escaped him before this past month. Right. Uh, and the weird thing is, you know, he, he did suffer the last couple of seasons a, a huge drop-off in, in his free-throw percentage. At one point, he was down to in the 60s for a season, and then last year, I think he was around 74. This year, he's gotten it back up to 78, so so the free-throw touch has largely returned. But yeah, that hasn't uh, that hasn't worked for, for the mid-range and, and especially the, those three-point shots. And I think for a lot of a lot of the Westbrook optimists, in terms of that that CP3 Westbrook swap, would would believe that Westbrook would would benefit from getting more open looks, and therefore would shoot better. And also with the spacing on the out there on the floor that the Rockets have, he would be able to finish better at the rim. And his his rim finishing is is pretty similar to what it's been the last few years as well. Oh, it has. And also, I mean, I do want to give a little ray of hope here. For Westbrook fans, for myself, obviously. Um, since December seventh, you know he's had twelve starts. He's averaged twenty-seven point eight points, seven point eight rebounds, and six point six assists per game, and that's been on twenty-three shots a night, um, forty-six point percent shooting, which isn't horrible. And then he's shooting twenty-seven percent from deep, which is not efficient. I'm not saying that these are great numbers, but they're way better than what we've seen lately. And for Westbrook, I mean, you would hope that three-point shot would tick up just as a little bit more. But I can live with that. I think most Rockets fans can deal with. You know, a good point percentage on semi-efficient shooting. Um, and then from deep, we know this is weakness, and you're right. The hope was that um, he would benefit from having more room around him and being able to play with more shooters. And in a way, play style-wise, the eye test, that fits perfectly. When you see him play and have that, it works. But at the same time, a lot of it is, you know, turnovers at alarming rate. He'll go to the basket on a, a, a one-man mindless foray, and then the ball will kind of eject away from him towards a shooter in the corner, whether it's a pass or knocked away or swatted down or whatever. And either it's going to be the great assist, a good conversion to the basket, or the other team is racing the other way after turnover. So, you know, there's a bright spot in terms of him maybe coming around just a little bit here. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, getting to the free throw line and converting there is great, but he's not getting there like he used to. And uh, especially over the age of 30, for an athlete who relies on explosiveness and, and playing above the rim, um, you know, that, that kind of play style can definitely uh, not be conducive to late, great career years. Yeah, and, you know, the, the turnovers that you mentioned, the, the struggling with the shooting, the, uh, you know, the, the average finishing around the rim, it's all led to the Rockets' offense being significantly worse when he's out there on the floor. The on-off numbers are not good as far as offense. They're, they're 11 points worse when, when Russ is out there. But, but another ray of hope uh, for, for Rockets fans is that I think, uh, you know, you mentioned at the beginning when I said they're 16th in defense that that's a little bit better than I think most people would have expected and certainly what I would have expected. And I think Westbrook has, has fit in pretty nicely to, to the switching scheme and uh, the Rockets defensively have been solid when he's out there. Yeah, and, and that's encouraging to see, especially knowing his laps defensively in OKC at times. Westbrook's one of those players that if it's a guy who's really good 
or he takes that man-to-man challenge, then yes, he can be engaging. And even that can backfire. We've seen him in the playoffs against Ricky Rubio and the Jazz. Um, that famous one take himself out. We've seen him play almost to a detriment against um, Damian Lillard in the Thunder series. So that's backfired occasionally. But man-to-man, Westbrook seems to take more pride in that. I think off-ball is where he loses a lot of focus and, and, and uh, defensive intensity, much like Harden in certain ways. But to have them playing like that is now, especially realizing that, hey, whether or not, you know, being available is better than, than not as far as Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. Chris Paul's a much better defender, and so you knew there's going to be a drop-off there um, in some ways. Not for just physical gifts, just the acumen and defensive know-how that Chris Paul brings or brought to the to the Rockets. So you know it's going to be a drop-off there, um, but like I said, it's encouraging. Middle of the pack is not horrible, especially for this team that's had some injuries, some continuity issues, and a player you know in a, in a way that's not exactly an upgrade on the defensive end. Right, yeah, and you know we've seen teams like that. That 2016 Cavs team was a was a pretty mediocre defensive team, and and they uh, they ended up winning the title. So it's possible you've got to have an elite elite offense, and it'll be interesting to see if the you know despite the fact that the Rockets are are third in offense, it's uh, it's in large part due to those lineups with Harden and no Westbrook. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see come playoff time, uh, you know how this team sort of uh, figures things out if they end up being able to, to step up the defense a little bit or are able to to uh, continue to improve the chemistry and maybe Westbrook continues to improve and, and get a little bit better with the jump shot. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of these key role players on this team. And uh, one guy that's, uh, that's had a, a pretty solid year so far, especially you know when you look at those box score numbers, is Clint Capella. Yeah, Clint Capella's been very, very solid. I think he's the one, like you said earlier, when you mentioned um, benefiting off of Russell Westbrook's transition. Clint Capella's been one guy who has. Um, his conditioning's been a lot better. It, it looks just so much better. Yes. Um, he's been finishing around the rim pretty decently, a rebounding monster. Um, over the year, he is averaging a double-double, 14 points, 14 rebounds on 64% shooting. And, you know, he's had some great numbers. I mean, last he's had good games the last two games, too, just pointing out. Against 76ers, a 30.14 rebound night on 12 of 16 shooting against the Nuggets, 16 and 10. These are solid games for um, Clint Capella. And mind you, you know, he's been up and I think he had, it was injury, illness. He was out for a few games. I remember that. Um, but, I mean, they've had that. They've had Westbrook on um, rest on the, you know, certain nights of the back to backs and everything. So I'm not going to call some I don't remember. But he's definitely had market improvement this year just on all aspects of the game, and not even, especially defensively, too, I think, not being played off the floor. Mind you, only team that was consistently doing that last season was the um, uh, Golden State Warriors. But to have him kind of step up now, I mean, it's been, I think the big thing about this has been the consistency that he's been bringing to the table. Because that's something that, um, you know, he had great performances last year, but to have this energizing type of play just throughout it's great to see from Capella yeah absolutely um you 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 mentioning the stamina that is uh that is very important you know there was a time early in his career where even though he was the best center they had he could only play about half the game just because he didn't have the the energy uh and and now he's up at uh around 33 minutes a game and and not only just being able to play starters levels minutes, but but yes, it's how much effort and energy you can give in the, within those minutes, and the fact that yes, he's he's attacking the offensive glass, he's he's doing a great job on the defensive glass, 
And uh, and yes, the running the floor in transition and, and beating centers down the floor, it you see it happen about three or four times a game where an opposing center will get inside and score, and Capella off of a made basket will, will just beat him down and get an easy layup. Yeah, he's been so, so good from end to end. Um, against that 76ers game, again, referencing that, you could tell he was just beating Embiid up and down the floor. And rebounding-wise, he's been on just a crazy streak. Um, he, from November 9th through December 14th, he was averaging 17.6 rebounds a game, and he had 19-plus rebounds in eight consecutive games. And some of that you can, of course, give to the Rockets just increase pace, and a lot of that, again, I would give to Westbrook on just igniting that Rockets type of play to go up and down more. But let's not deny just Capella's natural improvement in talent. Just leaping the ball, or leaping up for the ball, grabbing that board, going down the end, finishing on a oop, finishing in transition. It's been impressive, and you're right. Like, as, as, a, as a solid, solid role player who's living up to the contract he has now, it's really good to see him in a role that fits. And also making that necessary improvement to fit on this team, um, even with the change. I think he'd be playing this well, even without Westbrook, but let's not deny that that transition that they're playing with now, that increased pace, is helping him out tremendously. Yeah, Capella in the 96th percentile in defensive rebounding percentage, 84th percentile in offensive rebounding percentage. And frankly, that uh, that defensive rebounding percentage is quite a shocking number, given that uh, Westbrook has been known to uh, you know take away rebounds from a, a previous teammate who was a, a good defensive rebounder in Stephen Adams. Oh yeah, love me some Stephen Adams, and you're right. <laughs> it's kind of interesting to kind of see that, but it, it's again, I think it's it's having a player. I mean, again, I don't want to hard back on Westbrook, but having a player like that, for better or for worse can kind of help your centers in some ways. Now, my G's collecting way more rebounds um, than, than Adam was just because the style of play was kind of geared more to Russell getting the ball off the glass and into transition. But even so, yes, I am. I'm telling you, I think he's been one of the big surprises for Houston, and not just by play because he played solid last year, even had a couple of great games um, in the playoffs against Rudy Gobert and the Jazz and then Carnegie Towns, and this was uh, 2018 for the Timberwolves series. I do remember him playing really well. Um However, it's the improved consistency with which he's doing this now that I really think that it is important to shed a light on because night in, night out, if you can depend on him for 15 and 15 on great efficient shooting um, around the rim, that that's great. That is great for your starting center, but just in general as a nice piece to plug around um, Harden and Westbrook. And he knows his role from building that continuity with Harden and also catching on facts of Westbrook, how to play alongside both of them to maximize his own strengths. And that's even more um, impactful when you look at it in that way. Yeah, and his ability to switch is, is really great for, for this team, and it, uh, it fits with the talent on this roster. Another another key contributor, a uh, starter, a guy that uh, is 34 now, and that, that's P.J. Tucker, and he's going to be 35 by the time uh, we get into the, the second round of the playoffs. But he's a guy that, despite uh, advancing in years, continues to produce. He's hitting 43% of his corner threes, which uh, make up 47% of his shot attempts. And I don't know if you play uh, any NBA 2K, but the uh, the, the corner specialist, that, uh, that fits P.J. Tucker perfectly. Oh, it does. He's been automatic from out there. And he's narrowed his role down to such a niche that you're right. I mean, well, for one, 35, I was not aware. I knew he was getting up there, but well. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, it's, it's to the point that that compact release off the corner, one, two, whoosh, you know, and I am a three... Uh, NBA 2K guy, though I hate that shot meter. I'm not gonna lie, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's true. He's he's 
he's an important, integral part of that team. Not only from what he brings from a leadership standpoint, the heart and soul of the team, just from an emotional level. But you're right, having an offensive talent of doing that, hitting the glass a lot more this season than I remember him doing. He's had some really crazy rebounding numbers this season. Um, you know, I do the box score breakdown, so um, looking at some of those stats, it's like, whoa, you know, uh, Tucker led the team with 17 rebounds tonight. You know, him alongside uh, Capella have just been a glass-cleaning machine, call them the Windex crew, you know? Absolutely, yeah. He's a guy that uh, that makes all of those hustle plays, and, and defensively he uh, uh, he's a guy that's a good communicator out there and, and knows where to be and, and is willing to put his body on the line. Yeah, he has just been uh, he has been such a consistently good player for the Rockets ever since he's been there. Uh, another another key rotation player you mentioned him briefly earlier, and that is Eric Gordon. He's he's missed a lot of time with injuries. He's only played in in twelve games, and it seems like there's a trend with Eric Gordon where, regardless of when he starts his season, he he gets off to rough starts. So far, shooting thirty two percent from three and just thirty eight percent at the rim. Oh yeah, he's not had a great year. You're right. I mean, thirty two percent from the field. Only one, only mustering just under two rebounds a game and just over one assist. So he's not been that combo guard who could swing between two and three um, that the Rockets have really, really needed. And you're right, he was already having a slow um, month or so before he went down. Then he was out the last two months. And then coming back, you know, he had one good game against the Pelicans, but then, uh, you know, he had an okay game against the Nuggets. Not a lot of volume. And then just a clunker against 76ers. But you can see he's still trying to find his rhythm find his way back. He is very integral to the Rockets in order to succeed. We've seen how they played without him, and the bench has been pretty lackluster. I know we're going to get to them, but I had to mention that just because he is so necessary to being a conduit between the bench and the starters and someone who can play alongside both Harden and Westbrook, give you that necessary four-stretching ability, give you that secondary ball handling, and do some playmaking alongside those two that will help win Westbrook's not having a great night. Harden's having too much increased um, attention on him as really one of the only other Rockets who can consistently make plays for himself and others. And so to not see that happen so far has been kind of rough, but the hope is that he's running himself back into shape and form, playing, you know, minutes and getting back in to the swing of things and that he can come up with that production for Houston moving forward. Yeah, a guy that uh, a guy that has stepped up and, and gotten some minutes in in Eric Gordon's absence is is Ben McLemore, and uh, Zach Lowe actually wrote a, a a really nice piece on on McLemore's career and and how he went from being a, a lottery pick to considered a bust and and uh, nearly out of the league, and then now he's he's been a nice piece on this Rockets bench and he's shooting thirty five percent from three, and uh, he's a guy that continues to to seem to to be building confidence. Yeah, no, it's been a solid run for him. That's been a nice necessary boon for this team. And to be fair, like you said, the Rockets have been going through transition um, and finding those pieces. We already mentioned Capella here. We're talking about Gordon and, and trying to find other guys who are consistently bringing production. It's been a nice, pleasant surprise for them to have someone they can kind of look at a little bit. Absolutely, uh, and and yeah, if uh, if any of you listening haven't checked out that uh, that piece from Zach Lowe, that was that was pretty great. Talked about how he uh, he had six coaches in his first five years, and he had a really great relationship with uh, with probably the best coach Sacramento had while he was there, Mike Malone. But then he was uh, uh, incorrectly fired, and that kind of derailed McLemore's uh, career. He talked about how. Uh, you know, Malone emphasized the player development, and a lot of coaches that uh, followed him didn't. 
but yeah, it's nice to see that sort of a, a comeback story. Uh, an, another guy that, uh, another couple of guys on this roster that have, that have come in and, and done a decent job, you know, uh, as as a starter and off the bench. Daniel House is, has filled in at times as a starter, shooting 38% from three, provides some size. And uh, you know, Austin Rivers, another guy off the bench that uh, has had some has had some big games, and uh, he's shooting 35% from three so far. Super, super happy with Austin Rivers, unfortunately. I like him and the idea of him, but it hasn't been great. Um, for whatever reason, uh, Rivers has managed to post a negative on-court rating despite having played almost all of his minutes with either Westbrook or Harden. And for the record, he's played almost 746 minutes at this point. So the fact that he's able to post a negative on-court rating with both of them is kind of troubling. But, you know, hopefully he'll come back around. You said it. There are decent pieces. It's just Daniel House came up big, especially in several games this season. Um, You know, he did miss some time in late November. So, you know, he's back, and that's good. But the holes in the rotation are still there. Um, I think you're right, though. Like, going deep into the bench, aside from Macklemore, who's been playing, like you said, surprisingly well um, for this team, that, that reclamation project working. But it's just, I don't know. I think that's where I have a concern, and you can kind of tell by my rambling over them, just because... I'm grasping his draws on the bench. I don't feel that great about them, especially for a championship contending team. The pieces are solid. I will say that. But aside from Ben McLemore, someone I look at consistently, or maybe Austin Rivers, who's had great flashes in the past, it's not really the best bench. You know what I mean? It's a lot of raw players or a lot of vets who can't really take too many minutes like a Tyson Chandler. Absolutely. And, yeah, that uh, you, you kind of uh, are... Uh, speaking to my biggest concern about the bench, which is the backup center position, you know, you've, they've got uh, Tyson Chandler and Nene, who are both, uh, in, in my mind, washed at this point. And, uh, you know, they've even had uh, Hartenstein step in and, and play some. And at times he can he can he can be uh, he can flash some good moments, and other times he'll be clanking free throws and fumbling the ball out of bounds. And that that backup center position, especially in those fifteen or so minutes that Capella's not out there, have have not been great. No, they have not, and that's been a glaring hole for them. And you're right, Tyson Chandler is done. Nene is not only sitting in some weird uh, tax jail type deal for when he can play and when not to, but you're right, and Hartenstein, while he has had some good games. He's not someone you really want to be looking at as, as a key call off the bench at that five position. He's just not there just yet. Um, and, and that's kind of big because that flexibility the Rockets have usually had, um, at least decent play coming off the bench, isn't quite there. And already, like we've mentioned, is the t- I don't know how many times that transition for this team, but it is one. And it's important that they kind of get some type of um, continuity there, and they just don't have it. And some of that's with lesser talent. We get that. It's not like they have that same strong rotation they've had the past couple of years going eight or nine guys. Um, it, it's been kind of spotty, and and that's really been the problem. That holes in them and whether or not the Rockets can fill them moving forward. And if so, with who? Because right now, that's their big deal. Consistent production off the bench. Yeah, and, and frankly, that's why, you know, it's it's so crazy what Harden is doing in the non-Westbrook lineups. You know, they've got a 123.2 offensive rating with, with Harden out there and, and no Westbrook. And given how, how weak we've talked about the bench being, especially without uh, Eric Gordon for the majority of the season, it just goes to show you that James Harden is a unique offensive force out there. But yeah, so Corbin, what are your thoughts in terms of um, I, I'm I'm guessing you'll say that they should probably improve the uh, the backup center at the at the trade deadline buyout time. 
what to, what are some of the the key things that they need to improve if they want to, you know, fulfill their ambitions of uh, of competing for an NBA championship? I mean, I would definitely say that backup big spot's important. Um, you don't want Compella to go down because when that happens, um, it, it can be pretty rough. But also, I would say another shooting wing or another um, secondary ball handler, and that's only if. You know, I, would, I mean, Darren Collison would be someone that'd be a dream for Houston. Um, but someone who can, you know, kind of play off the ball, give you some floor stretching ability, another guy who can come and create some offense. Um, and that really just swings on Eric Gordon how well he plays because you do have Austin Rivers there. I just think that maybe a slight upgrade or somebody there additional who can come in when one of those players don't have it would, would be integral to this team, as well as someone who, by being able to stretch the floor and kind of stay to the side, can play off of both Harden and Westbrook because you know Westbrook, when he has the ball, is going to dominate it. Harden doing the same thing. Westbrook not being the best shooter, so you want to play him alongside someone who is a shooter so he can have the ball in his hands and create for that guy instead of um, vice versa, but also, I guess, that being an option if, if need be. So, I mean, those are obvious things. Wings would be amazing. An Andre Godala type would be perfect for Houston. Um, as a Lakers fan, I'm really hoping he goes there, but obviously that type of swingman player who doesn't have to be an offensive powerhouse, but someone who can slot in, make a few shots, have some defensive versatility, and if you have some ball handling in a pinch, that's a plus for the Rockets. Absolutely. I think uh, I think everybody could use Andre Iguodala right now that are trying to uh, compete for, for the title. But yeah, so you, you mentioned that uh, what you've seen so far hasn't really been significantly different than your preseason expectations. So uh, I guess I'll ask you this. Were, were your expectations going into the year that this Rockets team was a legitimate contender and uh, if so, you you still believe that's the case now? So I definitely thought that they were. Um, right now, I'd have to cold up just a little bit, um, just because I did not see Westbrook shooting regressing to this bad. Um, I figured I was definitely on the bandwagon of, wow, having more space and being able to do more will give him an opportunity. Um, having more space and being able to do more with that space would give him an opportunity to flourish a little bit, maybe find some confidence in a jump shot. I thought that a lot of it was shot quality, not just being open, but just jacking up inefficient threes off the dribble, and that that was somewhere in your shooting percentage is easy, and that that's probably what's happening to Westbrook. But seeing a lot of these wide-open shots just clank off the back rim, clank off the front, clank off the back, with clanking being the key word, I'm starting <laughs> to definitely look back a little bit on that. And, I mean, they're a championship contender in the sense that I think anyone in the top four, the top five in the Western Conference is, but I'll put them a run below the Lakers and the Clippers just consistency-wise. That's because at the end of the day, it would come down to everything James Harden can bring you and whatever Russell Westbrook can add. And at this point, with the shooting regressing, the bench not being super great, and um, just having Harden and Capella as your other kind of big heavy lifters, Harden being the heavy lifter and Capella being whatever whatever else he can bring, that doesn't seem like a solid enough um, footing or grounding for me to say yes to groundworks of a championship contender. That's one great player in James Harden. One really good player in Russell Westbrook and a solid player in Capella and a bunch of pieces that are kind of interchangeable that you have to hope hit their shots and play solid defense. And, and, and that just isn't that isn't the recipe for me yet. I think if you augment your bench a little bit, make moves around the edges and winning moves that will actually fit with this personality, this team in terms of play style, then you have something there. Because you're only going to go as far as Westbrook and Harden are going to bring you. And I think that there is a cap there. Um... However, I mean, I was leaning heavily toward them being a, a bona fide championship contender. I'm not dropping them completely out of that, but I am putting them more in, like, 
I guess the Utah Jazz range, like, yeah, they can do it, but, you know. Right, yeah, I, you know, and I've always been a uh, Westbrook pessimist, and, and he hasn't done anything this year to make me change my thoughts on that. And, yeah, if, if Houston is going to, to win a title, they'll have to do what you said and improve on the fringes. But then also, you know, the, the struggles that we've seen from Harden in, in previous postseasons, you know, the step-back jumper not falling, falling as much, not getting to the free-throw line as much, uh, you know, and just being significantly less efficient come playoff time, that's got to change if this team wants to uh, to win it all and has the improvements uh, and and his uh, his play this season has that given you any sense of optimism that uh, that maybe he he can uh, fully realize being the 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 same player in the postseason that he's shown this regular season I mean I don't know I just don't think his style translates that well to the playoffs when teams can focus their attention more so I think for all his exploits and everything that he's been doing here I don't know if there's anything I've seen that says oh yeah this is going to go past the regular season and take them over the hump. You know, I think there's just a natural ceiling as to how far that type of play can get you when defense can really center in and take you out of it. And I think he's getting there for all his brilliance and, and everything he has. There's only so much you can do. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting thought, you know, the, the idea that, you know, if he takes 20 step backs in the regular season and against weaker defenders, he hits seven of those and gets fouled on two, you know, you're you've got an efficient offense there. But in the playoffs, the defenders are better, they're longer, they're contesting the shots, you know, there may be more fatigue as far as Harden is concerned, so maybe he's only hitting 5 of 20. And then, you know, the referees are also, you know, holding on to the whistle a little bit more. And so maybe he's only getting fouled once instead of the two or three times. So those, yeah, I agree with you that I I just think his game isn't going to translate as well to the postseason. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it has been a marvel to watch this regular season, and, and he's putting together one of the best offensive regular seasons that, uh, that that I think the NBA has ever seen. Oh yeah, without a doubt, for sure. It's amazing to watch, and it's going to be interesting how we're going to put this in context in years to come, because right now we are taking it as just something that he's doing, and, and it, it is one of the great scoring runs in NBA history, bar none. Well, Corbin, was there anything else uh, that you wanted to discuss with the Rockets before we uh, wrap this up? I think we gave a pretty good comprehensive look at it, Garrett. I have uh, nothing else to add, man. I just really hope Westbrook's shot comes around. If I could shoot for 32% for three, I will be the happiest camper you've ever seen, man. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> All right. Well, this was uh, this was a heck of a lot of fun, Corbin. Thank you so much for, for coming on and taking the time. Hey, thank you for having me, man. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can uh, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. If you can leave a, uh, a rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Uh, the show is also now on Spotify. Uh, if you can uh, give the show a follow, again, a rating on there, uh, that uh, that really helps a lot. If uh, if you've got any uh, questions or comments or uh, or ideas for uh, for future episodes, uh, you can contact me. Uh, on Twitter, at Garrett Bouguet, and also uh, my email is g-bouguet at onu.edu. So uh, feel free to, uh, to uh, give me any of your uh, ideas. I, I love to hear from, uh, from the people listening to the program, and uh, enjoy the next week of the NBA calendar, and uh, have a great rest of your day. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning.
or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.